Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are locked on Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Mavericks for Wednesday, November 30th. It is a game day. I am one of your hosts, uh, Mike Marshall. My other host is uh, across the Metroplex, and his name is Jacob Kemp. How are you doing this morning, Jacob? I'm doing well, man. Hanging in. we got a uh, early morning and a late night. There you go. Yeah, you got uh, your first Mavericks post-game show of the season with the San Antonio Spurs tonight. So I'm imagining you chugging about uh, two to three red lines at about uh, 8 p.m. this evening. And... Uh, Having whatever is the new Pizza Patron. <laughs> well, Pizza Patron was actually eliminated last year for uh, a one and a half inch uh, larger Pizza Hut pizza for the same price. Oh, wow. What value? Yeah, that was pretty huge. So uh, I think with 41 home games, I'll probably end up doing, given the rate that they're giving them to me now, about 25 post game shows. So. You don't really want to eat stadium food more than like five times. But the other part of that that's like kind of a problem is if you don't eat and you think you've made it, then on your way home, you might not have made it. And then you see it be calling you. Ooh, that, boin- the that fast, bueno. The fast food, the life of the fast food postgame show. So the key is to either take maybe a cliff builder. Okay. Uh, or okay. maybe a, a sandwich with chips and a little bag and just spread it all right there on press row. Mm. Uh, just don't be afraid. Just hide, don't hide, be afraid. hide yourself a kind bar in your backpack, That's right. perhaps. Because the light of the Taco Bueno burns so bright at midnight. It does. I need three or four kind bars to stave off the mucho nachos. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at least, yeah, with, with a game tonight, I should be a little bit, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably going to be dead-ass tired in the morning, but at least I'll have like actually been able to watch a game in person rather than just on television. Nothing wrong with on television, but, you know, yeah, it's, it's nice to be there. Well, they got the Spurs tonight, so we'll uh, we'll check that out and uh, listen to you on the post-game show on uh, KTCK 1310, the ticket. I almost did the ID as if I was in the studio right now or something. Right. But, um, yeah, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. There's uh, Your favorite football team is out there for sure. There's a Cowboys podcast that's uh, throwing stuff up there every day where they get to review um, some of the best players that have ever played football. That's not exactly what we're doing on our half, but um, we're here for you. It's Locked On Podcast uh, Network. It's Locked On Mavs. We're here for you every day, and uh, we'll try to bring you something interesting um, for you to consume at your uh, your leisure. Uh, today we're going to do a couple things. We're going to bounce around a little bit. Um, because we just saw the Spurs, so we know what they're about. We saw uh, Pop flip the hell out on them for letting the Mavericks get within five points um, and actually have a shot to um, tie the game late from that Harrison Barnes ISO baseline possession that didn't go in. But if it did have, 
we might have pushed the Spurs to overtime, and that would have been rather embarrassing. Um, what I'd like to talk about today is uh, mainly um, three, if we have time, four things, just depending on how quickly we get through them. One is Cubans. Uh, comments on tanking that were out yesterday, the day before. Um, I'm going to give you a little primer on Markel Fultz, who I will be going to see tonight over at TCU um, and maybe get you a little bit familiar with him. Tomorrow we'll obviously be more in-depth on Fultz. And then uh, answer a Twitter question and hopefully have time to throw out uh, a couple of trades that I think need to happen for the Mavericks. But um, I guess let's pull up these Cuban comments. Um, this was on, I don't know who he said him to exactly, but ESPN got a hold of him. He was on the Stairmaster. Yo, was he? Stairmaster yeah. Mark. Great. That's my favorite version of Mark. Um, mm -hmm. This is in regards to, uh, to how bad his team has been this season. He says, haters going to hate. We think that Ooh. we think that you always compete. If you're competing when the league is better like it is this year, if you don't do well, you'll be in the position to get a good pick. Which, remember, even if you have the worst record in the NBA, there's a 75% there's chance you're not going to get the top pick. Then he continues, there are only, only so many teams that become – that there are so many teams that became four years away from four years away because they just got – they just learned how to lose. They stopped caring about – any individual game and just got used to it and you don't want guys developing those bad habits we have so many young guys on this team we want the games to mean something not to be okay who are we going to pull who are we going to pull in the fourth quarter so we can lose this game that's not how teams develop good habits the only way to overcome this is to have the ultimate superstar carry you through and it's tough to draft the ultimate superstar I don't see any Shaqs or LeBrons or Tim Duncans in this draft so I don't think that's the right way to do it. You just you just ignore the haters and let them bitch, and you go about your business. Well, I guess I uh, I would probably laugh at his laugh at him in his face if he said this in front of me. Um, but the good thing is your team's bad enough where it's not going to matter, Mark. <laughs> like if you do start pulling people in the fourth quarter, yeah, you might beat the Pelicans or uh, the Milwaukee Bucks on a random night. Just teams that still have a lot of sorry, un sorry in them, and a lot of give up still uh, in their DNA. But um, that that view on tanking is kind of uh, kind of ignorant to me um, for a team that is this bad. Well, for me, I I've always sort of resisted the uh, term tanking mm -hmm. or when people are team tank because I do I do believe that. You can actually organizationally get used to losing, develop bad habits, culture, all the things that go into losing 60 games in a year. But the reality is, is that, as you said, for the most part, teams that are losing, um, they're not trying to lose. They're just not doing anything proactively to win. It's not like... They're pulling their players with four minutes left usually. I mean, the Sixers do it with Embiid because he has a minutes restriction. Right. And because they're not – they know they're not a contender. So – and it's almost a blessing in disguise that the Mavericks have been as injury-plagued as they have because these comments let you know that they would have done – you know, their team, at, if fully healthy, probably could have gotten to 35 to 40 wins. Mm -hmm. Would have danced with the eight seed. Yeah, I mean the projection for the eight seed right now in the West is forty and forty-two. Right. So don't don't uh, don't fly into that uh, that mosquito light 
Like, stay away right. from it. <laughs> and, and I think it had, had their hand not been forced um, with regard to injuries that they would have. So, to me, like like I said, these co- these comments just highlight to me that they still aren't doing this really of their own volition. And I really can't stand the idea of there's no LeBron, there's no Shaq, there's no Duncan, because they've just been so bereft of young talent Mm-hmm. cost control talent for so long that that just doesn't make any sense. And he knows that. But he also is a businessman and is a marketer. And I don't think he wants to say, hey, look on the bright side. We're going to end up with a really great player, most likely, in here next year. Even if you don't end up with the top pick, I mean, there's a pretty good chance he'll be second or third. And all of those guys are difference makers. So I, I don't know. I just – the only thing that really matters when it comes to tanking are – who do you sign in the offseason to fill out the edges of your roster? Because mm-hmm. those are the guys that make up the last five to eight wins on your team. Yeah, I feel like you um, tank you tank in the offseason. Right. You don't take you don't, you don't take mid mid season. The only way the only other thing besides personnel and how much money of your above the, the floor you decide to spend that matters is how quickly you bring back injured players. Now that one matters a little bit more for our current situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that's not even a Cuban thing. That's a Dirk thing. If Dirk is fully healthy and feels good, he's going to play. And now they're back to like they're not going to play him again? Yeah, he's out the next two games at least. Um, I don't so. get why they don't just shut him down again and let it – I mean, maybe it's because he's stubborn about it and he has the right to be stubborn. But I don't understand this like play a couple, off a couple, play a couple. I mean, it's just weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't get what's going on with that. I don't think it's like a complete re-injury. I just think he got to the point where he was frustrated enough where he wanted to play a little bit and wanted to see what it would do uh, when he puts 20 minutes on it. And he found out. (laughs) He found out it wasn't great um, and he wasn't feeling like himself in those few games that he played. But um, this kind of links to one of the Twitter questions or maybe the Twitter question of the day that I wanted to uh, get to. It's from, uh, (laughs) I guess it's... The Twitter name is Brian and Corey, so I don't know if you bros share a Twitter handle. That'd be kind of funny. But uh, the question is, um, will this season cost Donnie Nelson his job? And if so, who would replace him? I'm going to say no, there's nothing that could really cost Donnie Nelson his job. But I don't know what Donnie Nelson's job is. We've talked about this before. And um, the injuries are an easy excuse. And there's not really like... There's not a pound of flesh that needs to be made out of this season or be taken out of what has happened to the Mavs this season. The thing that I start grinding my gears on is does Donnie Nelson need some help in in putting this thing back together? Um, and obviously they tried it with, uh, with Gerson a couple of years ago, and he got here and was not comfortable with how the hierarchy worked um, and the owner having, you know, absolute veto over any idea you have and your team building philosophy. But I don't know if this, um, the current, uh, set of gentlemen that sit in that front office and throw big ideas back and forth. I don't know if they know how to scout, uh, this in depth on the draft and, um, find young dudes that can give them at least, you know, some kind of, uh, definable skill set going forward. Like scouting the top five is probably easy. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. moving into the second round and signing dudes that you think could take the next step, I think that's a pretty difficult job to do. 
Um, yeah, that that to me is the question we talked about with Rick the other day, which was if he wants to do it, I'd love to have, as you said, just a team of dudes who grew up under Rick. Even if it's, you know, you're counting Barnes and Harrison in there and, you know, Matthews is just sort of a bit player, but then you've got four guys who are taken in the top, you know, 35 picks over the next two years. And, hell, you might even end up with some extra picks as we go forward down the stretch if this thing is totally out and they want to move a guy like Bogut or whatever. But I love the idea of a guy of a team being raised under Rick. I'm confident he could do it if he wanted to. I just don't really have a whole lot of evidence that Donnie can be the guy that puts those type of pieces together. Because I know he can go find Marion. I know he can make the deal for Kid. I know he can... Uh, the Berea deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, filling out the edges of the roster, he's been really good. Right. Vince Carter. Um, but, I mean, what evidence do we have that they know what they're doing uh, in the draft? And, I'm, you know, I always defend them by saying, well, they've always drafted pretty low and they've never really been in a spot where they wanted to play young guys, which I still think is true. But even saying that, I have no evidence that they know how to effectively scout and then develop a guy, whoever it is, Fultz, um, Josh Jackson, any, I, I just, I have no idea. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd really like to see what a, uh, to, to borrow a Parcells uh, analogy, I'd really like to see what a uh, Rick Carlisle gumbo would look like. I just don't know if they're going to give him the right ingredients to where it's going to be decent in any way. Um, and yeah, I think Donnie and the front office, and probably Rick's a hand in this as well, are really good at looking at dudes that are playing 20 minutes and saying, hey, what if we made him the sixth man and gave him 25 minutes? Like, I think they know how to do that really well. Um, I don't know if they know how to take a guy that's 23 years old, catching five minutes, and turn him into uh, some kind of rotation player. Because yeah. there's been a bridge that hasn't been been crossed very often. But um, yeah, tonight at TCU, uh, Washington returns the Washington Huskies and Markel Fultz. They played Saturday um, at TCU as well. They lost, but Fultz went off for uh, 27 points, four assists, four boards, a block. Um, he shot eight of 13 from the field and uh, hit one of his three threes. Uh, just some of the stat lines that he's put up already in the season. Um, he scored. 30 points his first game, 35 his second, uh, six assists in both, uh, 16 and eight game, and then uh, 21 points against Long Beach State. Um, I've heard comparisons to uh, Dwayne Wade already for Fultz. Um, he's a true freshman, um, 6'4", 195. Uh, he's playing the points, is very good at playing the points. I mean, he's not a assist hunter necessarily like he's not trying to distribute because he's so exceptionally talented (laughs) that he can create his own shot and he can get to the basket on his own but um that's the type of dude there's a couple dudes in this draft quite honestly like he and dennis smith are the two that i've been looking at the most but i'm sure lonzo ball sneaks into this conversation that um have some kind of freak ability as a point guard um and i'm really excited to look at fultz tonight in person uh, over in Fort Worth, and I'll if I'm gonna check out these other dudes too, and see if they come through town in any fashion against SMU or TCU, or even you know hit up North Texas or something. Um, but there you go. There's a little bit of a primer on Fultz for tonight. I mean, to me, what I think you're hoping for with the draft is one, 
that they get there without trading their pick. Mm-hmm. And really, there's about a list of one that right now that I would be willing to get. Because we're, we're probably talking, and it's so hard to say because you could easily see them just screwing around playing down to like the fifth pick or something. But Oh, for sure. I would give up whatever for Boogie, but outside of that, at this point, I, I mean, Noel's about to head to the D League and play again, but I don't even know. I don't know. I've, I've probably moved off that a little bit. If, yeah. if if your odds are that you can get the the one or two, I'm not moving that for Noel. Yeah. I um, mean, Bradley Beal was a good question like last week. Remember that? Yeah. I, was, I don't think I did Straight up, no, I, I don't think I would either just because of where he's at in his, uh, in his career and, and he's already on full max money. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, Boogie's a free agent in a year and a half, but I don't care. I think they could keep him here. Yeah, I think we but, I think we established the the Hayward line, right? The Gordon Hayward line. <laughs> what I think you uh, what I think you're looking to is that whether you end up at one, two, three, or four, it's just that you have a rare time where your positional greatest need, which I still would say is probably the point, mm-hmm. uh, match up with the strength of the draft. Yeah, and you're also kind of hoping that Philadelphia mm-hmm. uh, that they already see Ben Simmons as a point guard of the future, right? And that Boston, who I believe owns, I can't remember whose pick it is, Brooklyn, I think the Brooklyn pick that they'll think they have a point guard already, also, yeah, and that they'll be more interested in Josh Jackson mm-hmm. or Jason. Tatum. I don't even know Harry Harry Giles or something, yeah, and that they'll Jonathan Isaac that they'll that they'll be more interested in that and that one way or another you get out with one of your top two point guards and you're not like, oh, well, we didn't get one of the two guys we wanted, so now we'll go to another position. Like, right. I'll just say it this way. I will be incensed <laughs> if they start next season without a rookie point guard that was picked with their first pick. Yeah. No, as would I. And I think I think you have to be in that top three because of the circumstances you just, you just drew up. Boston's not taking another point guard. Um Philadelphia probably is long-term committed to Ben Simmons' development at that position as well. So- that one's a little different because they still need, like, swingmen, and you can kind of see Fultz maybe being a two, whereas, yeah. like, with Boston, I mean, between Smart, Bradley, and Thomas, like, they're not taking a guy who handles the ball. Right. Yeah, no, I could definitely see, like, Fultz going one to uh, to Philadelphia and then, say, uh, Josh Jackson going two to um, – Whatever the hell other team we're talking about, Boston, Boston, and then yeah. and then Dennis Smith being there at three, yeah, for like the that, Mavericks, right? That and, would make sense to me, and I'd love that. He's more of a, he's more of a pure point guard, um, and he's actually more athletic than Fultz. But we'll get into those dudes. We'll do whole episodes on them, I'm sure, coming up pretty soon. Um, one final thing before we get out of here: a couple trades that I think need to happen at some point in this Mavericks season, and it has to be after December fifteenth for both these dudes because they're. Um, their re-ups or they, or they were traded for. Um, Andrew Bogut to the Portland Trailblazers for Festus Azili. How does that, uh, how does that fit your, fit your ideology? So Azili just got signed. Yes. And it's what? It was like Seven, four for 60. No, it was lower than that. He's, uh, he got signed two years at, um, 7.4 a year. Oh man, I thought it was going to be way more than that. No, he had that. He started having injury problems in the off season, and it yeah, and being, I mean he's still hurt, right? Yeah, two for fifteen is his uh, is his contract right now. 
Yeah, well, that's nothing. Yeah. And obviously Portland is going to be trying to – they're about to hit the tax for a team that really is not proven a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely do that. Yeah. And I think you have to because, add one more player from Portland side, but they have a, an S-ton of young dudes. Yeah, that you could just wave. Yeah. Uh, or, But, I mean, you that way – I would be fine with starting Azili next year. Um, and if I'm starting him, that's the type of guy that I think I can play with Barnes heavily at the four. Mm-hmm. Now I, now I, uh, you know, they're not going to have a ton of cap room next year unless they do a couple things like waving Devin Harris. There's four or almost four, I think, right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll, re- re- you know, you'll renounce Darren Williams' rights. You'll have traded Bogut and essentially just added Azili. I'd, I'd rather start Azili next year, even though even with his injuries at 28, than I would Bogut at a hard 32. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would do that in a heartbeat. And then you would have his bird rights, so that right. in 2018, when he's unrestricted, if you if you thought that you know he that would still be his only his age 29 season. Yeah, if he shows any kind of worth, you have you have the easiest way of resigning him. Yeah, I like the idea of having Salah off the bench, mm-hmm. and now it's now if I've got my my young gun at the one, I can move Matthews to the three, and I can go spend ten million dollars or so on whoever yeah. uh, for a two in free agency, or I just basically play two point guards and play Berea with Balls or Ball Smith or Fultz. You know, what I mean, yeah. there's just a lot of things that like Bogut is fine, man. He's his he's gotten better. His offense is his. Uh, passing is, is decent enough, but he just looks like he doesn't have a whole lot of lift. Yeah. No, I mean, he's uh, – you get creeping into those, um, you know, third night and four days and, um, you know, t- north of 20 minutes in a game, and he just kind of withers. He's just kind of non-existent. Yeah. Like, he's still, he's still locked in. Like, he'll still make some nifty passes and step into the lane and stuff. But, yeah, that's – he needs to be somebody's backup center – that can come in there and get 15 minutes and make some kind of defensive impact. Um, and I think Portland would be a decent spot for him. Obviously, Boston has been thrown around quite a bit. And if Golden State wants him back, like that's they probably need him. Um, right. And then one other thing was um, Darren Williams. Um, he has his full bird rights, so he's a little bit more d- complicated and difficult. But I think there could be a some kind of market for Darren Williams – as a backup point guard, I mean, you saw what's happening in Memphis right now with Conley missing six weeks. Mm-hmm. I think Memphis should be on the phone with Dallas about uh, about Darren Williams um, if it's for like Brandon Wright and uh, Deontay Davis or something like that, or Brandon Wright and Drill Martin. And Brandon, Brandon Wright isn't playing right now, and he won't for a little while. But uh, the Mavericks know how to use him, and they've gotten the best out of him out of anybody in the league. Um, and, in his time as an NBA player. So if you can get anything, basically is what I'm saying, for Bogut or Darren, I think that would be really wise to start your team building a little bit early. Yeah, I mean, I think even if those were just guys that uh, – that what's I don't even know Brandon Wright's contract situation. He is – I think it's like eight a year. I looked it up earlier. Let me see Brandon Wright contract. Here we go. It is – no, it's actually 5.4 this year, 5.7 next year, and 5.9 uh, the following year. Yeah, I would absolutely love to bring him, especially if uh, I'm going to be getting weird with moving Barnes to the four. Yep. 
And then maybe there's, you know, there's scenarios where I'm playing Dirk at the four, but I, I want to go something a little springier, like right at the five. I mean, I would do both those in a heartbeat. Yeah. So those are the things that you should, as a Mavs fan, you should start uh, your gears grinding towards, like what to get for these little ancillary pieces that we have. Because they do have value. Um, they have more value with us because of the position we're in and the roster uh, construction that has been uh, been put together. But, um, yeah, there you go. Just a couple ideas to chew on um, leading up to the Spurs game tonight. Jake will have the post game on uh, KTCK 1310, the tickets, um, roughly about, what, 9, 9.30 or so. And uh, then we'll get Charlotte tomorrow, and we'll give you a uh, full Markel Fultz review from my uh, my experience out at TCU watching him ball. Maybe he'll get the call as well. Who knows? But, um, all right, Jacob, thank you for your time. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, we'll see you tomorrow.